Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Nathan is a certified holistic cancer coach, 20-time award-winning documentary filmmaker, competitive CrossFit athlete, and best-selling author of Becoming Cancer-Free. With nearly two decades in independent natural health research and education, Nathan shares his top solutions for preventing and overcoming disease while optimizing health and improving human performance. Each week, Nathan brings on highly renowned experts to share natural and holistic health science, strategies, and breakthroughs for living your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling life. And now, here's Nathan Crane. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited to have Dr. Cynthia Lee here with us today. Uh, Cynthia, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Nathan. So for those who don't know Dr. Cynthia Lee, she is a functional medicine practitioner who went through her own radical health transformation through the help of Qigong, which we can talk about, um, healed her own autoimmune disease and multiple diagnoses, and uh, has been helping people all over the world. She, She wrote a book, I highly encourage you to go check out, called Brave New Medicine. It's about her journey. It's about bringing some of these ancient healing methods into conventional medicine. She's incredibly brilliant and her story is really impactful. Uh, Cynthia, we were just talking offline. I remember, geez, it's already been like five or six years, I think. I came to your house um, and got to film you and your husband and your and your daughters and uh, about your journey and about, you know, uh, basically how you were really near death's doorstep. I mean, bedridden for years and very sick. And, and you were a practicing medical doctor at that time and you couldn't practice. And you know, going through all of this, I'm sure, tremendous, not only physical pain and chronic fatigue, but you know the mental emotional anguish that came from that. And then finding a practice, an ancient practice that actually revitalized you and gave you new life and got you back on your feet and got you to a place of health and got you to a place where you could write a book about it and teach about it and, and, uh, and work with patients again. So, I mean, um, for those who don't, who, who haven't seen it, that entire, basically mini documentaries on YouTube, people can go watch it, just search Dr. Cynthia's name, um, and you'll be able to find it. But, um, yeah, one again, awesome to see you and reconnect. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm excited to dive into you know, your story and your journey and what you're up to now and talk about what Qigong is and how it, you know, helped you in your own life and, um, and, uh, and have a great conversation with you. So thanks again. Great. Thank you. So let's, for people who don't know your story, share a little bit about it. What, what happened? I mean, you were, you were a conventional medical doctor, right? And then, you know, you were, you started experiencing some chronic fatigue and what happened? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, just kind of in a in a nutshell, I was a few years out of my residency training in internal medicine, so I was a specialist in adult chronic diseases. And um, shortly after my first daughter was born, I developed um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, so an autoimmune form of thyroid. Um, is yeah, th- a thyroid condition that actually in the postpartum phase it often resolves. It's a little it's different than the than the more chronic form that people are familiar with. Um, So mine resolved about a year later. 
but my symptoms actually continued. So resolved meaning that by numbers, by my, my blood tests, it, it had resolved, but I actually felt largely the same. I didn't, I wasn't sleeping well. Um, I was tired. Um, I was uh, losing weight. Um, the, the, at that point though, I was still very functional. You know, I, I was young, I was in my early thirties. And so I was still working full time, you know, um, having a new baby, having an active husband. Um, so even in my own book, I was fine. You know, like the numbers kind of dictated everything. And then it was a couple of years later, I got pregnant a second time. And uh, that's when uh, things got really, really intense. So it was the beginning of what would be 10 years of chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, dysautonomia, which is a dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system, which controls largely subconscious uh, body functions like breathing, digestion, heart rate, blood pressure. Um, so that was a, it was, it was in disarray. And, um, and then, yeah, a few other, you know, conditions that kind of go, they always, they often go together, you know, fibromyalgia, brain fog, um, things like that. So, it was a really a journey into the unknowns of Western medicine, right? So, and I had seen patients uh, on the other side as a doctor on the other side of the bedside, um, not knowing really what to do with these patients, not knowing what to offer them, you know, other than the the uh, standard antidepressant or painkiller, um, you know, physical therapy, those kinds of things, and so. After a couple of years of, of uh, pretty significant debilitation, I mean, I was largely, um, largely housebound for actually for several years, but the first two years were, were very critical. And I, that was when I was not able to work even part-time. So I began to really focus on things outside of my paradigm. Um, it didn't, didn't come easily to me because my paradigm really represented kind of the truth of how not just my body works, but how the world works. And, um, and then it began actually with uh, seeing an acupuncturist who oh. began to, to teach me both about the holistic way of understanding the body and its systems, not just as, as one system, but really connected to the ecosystems around me. And when you, say, when you say my paradigm, at that time you're talking about your conventionally trained paradigm, right? Which is basically, yeah. you know, just biology as you learn it you know as a doctor you know typically you're treating really symptoms you know management and symptom management it's not really disease reversal right it's generally pharmacology and so forth to take care of whatever the issue is rather than you know which holistic medicine is generally looking at the root cause like what's actually causing this and how do we address that um and so that's what, when you say my paradigm, that's what you're talking about, right? Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning into this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine, for not only cancer reversal, but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com.
com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yes, and, and also actually really relying on diagnostics, right? So looking at sort of the hard facts, the measurable facts. Um, and so if, you know, because the way I was trained was you either have, um, you know, some diagnostic results or you have a set of criteria and then you get a, you get a diagnosis and then the treatment hinges on the diagnosis. Um, so in my case, my, you know, my numbers, even when I was very debilitated, uh, you know, after the second pregnancy, they were, they were always normal, Mm. um, including my thyroid. So that had to be, that had to be really frustrating, very frustrating, very confusing. And, um, and also scary, right? Because it's like your experience is that there's something seriously wrong. Um, and then the data shows that everything is actually within normal range. And so there's a lot of self-questioning, uh, but there's also this, the, the fear is recognizing that, whoa, there's actually nothing that these doctors, right? The, these specialists, like these world-renowned specialists who I was seeing uh, in San Francisco. And it's like, there's, there's nothing there. So um, nothing to work with. So it's scary, you know, just to know like, yeah, if you're feeling really, really acutely unwell, you go, where do you go, right? There's nowhere really to go. So uh, contending with that was was really challenging. And so when I found this, this acupuncturist, and I had tried about five different ones um, before one really clicked and was just like, whoa, you know, like he's not just uh, treating me, he's actually teaching me. And we would actually teach each other um translate you know in in traditional chinese medicine terms to western terms what was going on and um yeah so i learned a lot about the body as an ecosystem as an ecosystem within an ecosystem and then the micro ecosystems within my body as well um i also learned about chi that was the first time i learned about chi about energy subtle energy uh, i didn't know really what he was talking talking about other than I knew I was deficient in it. And then um, I also, you know, was was coupling it with Western science. Uh, I, I dove into environmental health and learning about the pollutants and how they affect our bodies um, and uh, and also the ways in which we can detoxify. So it was kind of a st- it was very much a stepwise uh, progression for me, partly because um, it just took that long for me to break out of my paradigm, but it also was just a, a limitation of how, where I was energetically. So I, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the wherewithal to even attend a, a medical conference on integrative medicine or functional medicine. I also, I didn't know about functional medicine. It was very, very nascent at that time. And so I hadn't heard the term. I didn't know what it was um, until several years later. Um, And so then when I finally came across functional medicine as a paradigm of medicine, of how to apply some of these, you know, this ecosystem medicine into a, into a clinical setting in a body, you know, working with one body, um, whether it was mind or or patients, I realized I was like, I was so grateful, like, wow, people have actually worked out this paradigm 
using, you know, science, using diagnostics, blood tests, urine tests, salivary tests, um, and other, um, you know, imaging studies to, um, to couple it with this holistic paradigm that I was learning from my acupuncturist. You know, I think that's fascinating because a lot of people don't realize that ancient medicines like traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, have been around for thousands of years and they have all of this historical, all of these historical records and basically, you know, case studies and the passing down of this information and this wisdom through, you know, a continuous exploration and experimentation with this, these forms of medicine, whether it's acupuncture, it's, it's herbology, it's herbalism, um, it's Qigong, right? This stems back thousands and thousands of years and, and it's incredibly effective. And the more science of our modern day that comes in and basically is testing these ancient methodologies in laboratory settings are all they're doing is confirming and validating what you know these um let's call them doctors basically you know have done for thousands of years and and said yes this this works this way with our bodies and with our minds and with our emotions with our spirits and these herbs do this and these plants do this and if we put these needles here and these um acupoint uh, and these acupoints and we do this acupressure and we do this this is what happens to the body and the nervous system etc it's like every time that i because i like to to back things up with science as well and so i've been doing, you know, pulling up different references on Qigong and different references on TCM. And, different, and it's like all of our modern science is validating what uh, these ancient methods have already discovered thousands of years ago. The thing is, is most people don't know this stuff exists, right? You and I were just talking previously that like, I, I think you attribute, you know, Qigong to basically helping save your life, right? Or at least help you get healthy again. And yet most people don't even know what Qigong is. They're like, what is that? You know, is that like a, a game you play with your kids? Like Qigong? Like, what is that? You know, it's like most people don't even know what it is. So can you talk a little bit about that? How you discovered Qigong? You know, what it did to help you through your healing transformation? And then even share, you know, some of the things you've discovered about Qigong uh, that maybe you had no idea about it. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At HealingLife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors, and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at HealingLife.net. Net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to HealingLife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. So 
and 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 I know just from our our um, our earlier talk that you've had various Qigong masters and healers um, on your podcast. So, but just for people for you know for whom it's totally new, Qi is energy or life force energy. It's like vitality, and um, uh, Gong is cultivation or work. So it's really essentially it's a you know it's a practice of cultivating energy and i would say it's more um also about managing energy right how do we manage our energy in the the most optimal way and, and then also what does that even mean so uh, when i began i first heard the the term from my acupuncturist because Qigong is the foundation of traditional Chinese medicine. It's the foundation of martial arts, right? So for people who don't know what Qigong is, it's, it's, um, it's the foundation of martial arts, which most people know. Foundation of Tai Chi. And um, it's just a system of theories and, and practice methods. So there are um, hundreds of different schools or lineages. And I know that you and I got introduced to the same one, Kudzin and Qigong. So that's the one that I'm really going to speak about. I, I don't purport to know a lot about the other lineages. But, um, you know, my, my acupuncturist at first mentioned it to me um, to consider practicing because it would help me between the treatment sessions. And not only would it help me between the treatment sessions, but in terms of energy and just overall um, health, but it was something that I was doing with myself. It was a self-empowerment thing as opposed to me going to him to get treated. And so there would be a big shift in that. But, you know, I was I was uh, not, I don't know, I, I wasn't, it took me a long time to become open to the idea and to feel like I even had enough sort of mental motivation or energy to try something else because I was already doing a lot and I had two really young kids so I put it off and then um, and you were mostly bedridden at this time when you were doing acupuncture and learning about qigong were you still pretty bedridden yes I was um but but I hadn't I wasn't practicing qigong I had heard it and then it kind of got you know tabled um, but the, the acupuncture, and then I was, I was changing my diet. I had learned about the association between gluten and, and, um, autoimmune thyroid disease among other, uh, you know, chronic inflammatory conditions, uh, and also dairy. And I was kind of doing these, these, um, this testing on myself just in turn. And, and back then I, the, the food allergy testing and all that was not as uh, widely available as it is today. So. Um, so I was already experiencing some improvements and then I was going into a whole foods diet, ancestral diet. What does it mean? How do, how do we cook? How do we prepare our foods? Um, so I was already beginning a lot of that shift myself um, together with, with the acupuncture treatments. And, um, and then I was also taking herbs from him. So then um, I don't even remember now, a few years later, um, I had run into my uh, midwife, my former midwife, and she looked great. And she was also a mentor to me. She wasn't just my midwife. She was a mentor in healing and in wisdom. And she was really an elder in the community. And she looked radiant, you know, and she's, she's old enough to be my mom. And so I, I said, God, you know, you look great. What are, what's, what's new in your life? And 
she said, oh, you know, um, I just got certified as a Qigong instructor. I'm like, what? So she was the one who took me to um, a workshop. This was when Master Ming Tong, the, the teacher you've uh, collaborated with and also studied with for a long time. Yeah, good um, friend, said, really good friend. He was yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, Ming Tong Gu. Yeah, he was, he was in the, uh, he was still in the Bay Area at the time. He had not moved to New Mexico. So I attended a workshop with, with my midwife and, uh, and that was really the beginning, but I will say that in the beginning, it was, um, it was very pragmatic. You know, it was very much like, I mean, it still is pragmatic, but it was very, very pragmatic. It was like, okay, this is a mind body exercise. Okay, I see it as a way to rehabilitate. So I, what I had understood about my conditions, and we're learning a lot more about this now, and at least in the mainstream because of long COVID, right? Like back 10, 15 years ago, chronic fatigue syndrome was really still thought of as a, you know, it's largely in your head. Does it really exist? And um, long COVID has actually kind of really opened that dialogue up. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I want to take a quick second and let you know about something really special I recently updated. I think uh, you might benefit greatly from something I think you might enjoy and want to take a look at. And it is my book called The Panacea Cleanse. It's a powerful 12-day plant-based detoxification and healing guide. It's already hit number one in four categories on Amazon. There's thousands of people that have done this cleanse, and I've read so many testimonials from it. Let me read you one really quick. Aaron said, I did the Panacea cleanse and followed your instructions closely. I had amazing results. I stayed healthy while everyone around me, my kids and family, were getting very ill from a virus. I also lost some weight, and my menstrual cycles are much less painful. I also don't have bad headaches anymore. Thanks for the information you put out. She's just one of thousands who have gained tremendous benefit from this cleanse. If you want to improve the quality of your life and your health, clean out your organs, clean out your digestive tract, help lose weight and burn fat, and basically give you more energy, help you feel alive, go check out the Panacea Cleanse, P-A-N-A-C-E-A, -A -A, the Panacea Cleanse on Amazon. It's like 12 bucks or something like that. And you can follow it day by day. It's got a recipe list. It's got a shopping list. It's got everything you need in there to follow this powerful cleanse. It took me about two years to create it. My wife and I have done it multiple times. It's been amazing in our own lives, and I'm happy to share it with you. So uh, go check it out if you're interested. The Panacea Cleanse. It's on Amazon. Thanks, and let's get back to the show. Looking at how uh, infections, right, and other triggers that that we are exposed to in the environment can really um, wreak havoc on some people's who are some people who are predisposed to that um, there's hormonal imbalances there's you know immune system dysfunction there's nervous system imbalances I mean, so gut inflammation gut uh, flora imbalances and so all this stuff now is is uh, much more well known um, which is wonderful I mean, but it's it's sad because it you know it's taken an epidemic to kind of open our eyes. Um, so back you know when I was beginning qigong, it was very pragmatic like that. Like okay, I knew I had nervous system and hormone imbalances, and here was a rehabilitation method to do that for the inside. You know, so it was like physical therapy for my inner workings was how I approached it. 
And, <clears throat> and I, I started with like 15 minutes a day. And so that's just one thing I kind of wanted to highlight is that, you know, each of us, we just start where we can. So if it's 15 minutes twice a day, that kind of thing, you know, where, wherever we are. So with a couple of young kids being tired, I was working part-time now, but very part-time. Um, and so, yeah, 15, 20 minutes a day, then twice a day. And I started actually experiencing some improvements, not just in terms of my energy um, and, and even my balance. Uh, equilibrium was a, was a really big challenge for me, but uh, what I called accessory symptoms, like things like waking up multiple times in the middle of the night to have to go urinate, you know, like thing other and a lot of the fibromyalgia, a lot of the aches and pains, some of them I didn't even know they were there. They were mm -hmm. so uh, constant that I kind of, you know, it was like a low level buzz. I didn't even know they were there until it was gone. Yeah, those are so crazy. Like you get so used to a constant chronic pain. I mean, this happened to me in my, in my traps uh, a few years ago where it was like, you know, it's like a level seven pain just turning your neck and it never goes away. And you get so used to it that all of a sudden one day, you know, you you turn your head and it's no longer there. And you're like, whoa, wait, what what happened? You know, and it's like uh, it's really amazing at how the mind can adapt to whatever that chronic health challenge is that we're going through. And it's like it's always lingering there, but you kind of start to adapt and get used to it. And you think. This is, I wrote a blog about this many years ago, which is we, we've kind of normalized disease, right? Where we feel we've come to this kind of belief as a society that we feel that disease is normal. Like it's just part of life. These aches and pains, this chronic fatigue, this cancer, this whatever. Like this is normal. We're supposed to be tired at three o'clock in the afternoon. We're supposed to be fatigued and, and um, lose our cognitive function as we age. We're supposed to have these diseases. And even though we've normalized it, it doesn't mean that it has to be normal in our lives. And it certainly doesn't mean that it has to be natural either. Um, yeah, sure, you're 80, 90, 100 years old at the very end of your life, you know, maybe some of these things. But we don't have to normalize these things. And we have so much evidence of this, certainly in multiple countries around the world, people living in their late 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s with very little to no disease, very little to no chronic pain, chronic fatigue, lots of energy, very active, very healthy. So it's not just one random person in one area. It's multiple people in multiple countries and multiple cultures around the world. So we know that's a potential. That's a human potential, um, yeah. I, I think, for all of us. But we have to change. I think we have to change that normalization of, you know, disease and pain. All these things are just part of life. They can be and also they don't necessarily have to be. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, and that's one thing that Qigong and, and, and traditional Chinese medicine really opened me up to is to really reframe things, you know, in, in Western science, we're really looking at right means a lot of times, like the averages. Right. And right. And what you're talking about, yeah, it's just is normalizing disease, but also normalizing yes, feeling suboptimal, like unwellness is kind of just the norm. And so, but we forget because everyone around us or most people around us might be right kind of on this, on this slow or rapid decline and oh it's okay i'm just not going to complain and okay it's, it's normal, you know it's normal that we're screening kids. Um, 
you know, 10, 12 years old for diabetes and high cholesterol. Like, you know, it's, and I even remember when I was in training, you know, which was uh, 20 years ago, uh, I finished training about 20 years ago, but the, you know, thyroid conditions were, they were common, but they weren't that common. I mean, and then just a few years out of residency, I remember we were basically screening all women, you know, within a certain age range for uh, for thyroid levels. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's the new normal. <laughs> so so the, setting crazy. the new normal is always, always a little bit dangerous. Yeah. And so what Qigong and, you know, and to your point about these other, um, you know, cold spots or whatever you want to call them, but these, these areas of, longe- of healthy longevity around the world is that it opens us beyond the norm, the, the norms, the averages and the means it's, it's like, Oh, what is possible? Yeah. What is the potential? And can we, yeah. Normalize that. Yeah. How do we normalize that? Right. How do we normalize our potential as human beings? Because I believe our potential is significantly higher uh, than we've limited it to, to be. And like you said, it should not be normal that we're screening children at eight years old, nine years old, 11 years old for diabetes, for cancer, for autoimmune disease. These diseases have exploded over the last 70 years. Uh, cancer is one of them. Specifically, my research for the past decade has been primarily on cancer. But in that research, I come across heart disease and diabetes and you know autoimmune disease as well, because I have come to find out they're basically all disease. They're all branches of the same tree. And it's very much the underlying roots of that tree that, you know, lead to all of these diseases in our bodies. And we've, it is sad that the, it has become normal for children. I mean, cancer is the number one killer of children uh, under 18, uh, uh, aside from um, accidents that happen in young children. It's like it's the number one killer now which is insane. Children never used to get cancer 70 years ago. It just wasn't even a thing. Same thing with diabetes. And then we have all these children who are obese and all these children who are being born with all these autoimmune diseases. And then you find out, you see the EWG, you know, testing that, uh, that was done on the cord bloods of, of the, of the, uh, umbilical cords and finding out that there's hundreds of carcinogenic, uh, and neuroendocrine disrupting chemicals that are in the umbilical cord. So these babies are already exposed to all these chemicals, not to mention all the stress that has come as part of our society. Yes, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, more comfortable, more convenient in many ways. And at the same time, you know, is causing more radiation, is causing more stress in a lot of people's lives, um, is causing, you know, more damage in a lot of ways, more toxins and chemicals in the environment. So these are all things that we have to deal with right and when you address it with food and diet and nutrition and cleaning up your environment cleaning up your water your air all the things that you know we teach through my companies and conquering cancer and healing life and a lot of things that we do that's a really important part of it but at the same token that's not everything right and that's something you discovered as you change your diet you're taking herbs you're doing acupuncture and it's like those things help and they're important but it seems like there's a missing piece, a missing link. And that's, that's kind of what I found with the Qigong and the parasympathetic nervous system regulation and you know the meditation and the sound healing and all that is like it takes, it really goes to a much deeper level of our 
holistic well-being and nurturing of our lives so that we can self-regulate in a world that is deeply dysregulated right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you touched on a lot. I, I would say, you know, one thing, um, not just having lived it myself, but, but working with patients, uh, whether one-on-one -on -one or in, in groups and workshop settings, um, there's so, it feels like there's so many, so much to do. Like it's very hard to be healthy, you know, in a planet that's not. And and that that sense of overwhelm is something that I have encountered a lot. Um, and so it's, you know, what my leading edge right now is uh, it's not an either or it's more about a how. So like we know a lot of what we need to do or what we can do, what others can do in terms of right healing themselves, healing their families, healing the communities healing the the earth um and yet it can be really exhausting i think that that effortfulness is you know it is it's with the 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 paradigm of oh we got to recharge you know we got to go on a retreat or we got to restore we got to recharge and so for a while qigong was like that for me right so i when i went beyond the right the, the kind of prescriptive okay rehabilitation stuff i was like oh wow you know like i can really after some time i could really feel the chi flowing you know and i could feel that vitality um but then you know all the effort i was putting into living life and you know and work and all of it was uh, it felt like a lot so i often felt like i just had to plug in recharge and then um, I actually had another health crisis. This was in 2017. And uh, at this point, I was really at the forefront of, of internal medicine, functional medicine, integrative medicine. And we haven't even touched on this, but intuitive healing as well. I, I, I was sort of my path unfolded and I very reluctantly started exploring subtle energies in terms of intuition. Um, because, like with your, like yeah, with your patients, that. like as you were treating patients or in what way? Well, later, yeah, once I learned how to really develop it, um, you know, I was always practicing on myself first, right? So, but it, it, it came about because of my own healing journey was like, suddenly I went from no options to like infinite options, right? It's like, which diet do I do? You know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, a, that's another problem all by itself. You're like, there's nothing exactly. we can do for you. Sorry. And then you find this whole other world and you're like, there's a million things I can do. Which ones do I do? Right? Yeah. That's gotta yeah, be overwhelming in its own and right. Like the diagnostics too, and functional medicine can get really complex. And it's like, yeah. well, this one says yes, that one says no. And then, okay, how do you read? And I just, I was actually on the receiving end as a patient. I was like, I'm totally overwhelmed. So I, I ended up, uh, there was a, a friend who was a, she, who became a mentor, um, uh, teaching me basically how to develop my intuition. So it was a, it was another way into more of the subtle energy realm. Um, but again, I was, it was very much, a you know, like a, a practical, um, another, another thing in my doctor's bag. Um, so when I had the second health crisis, um, I really came to this place where I surrendered. I mean, the, really the only thing I could do 
was uh, go deeper into my Qigong practice. And I was still doing everything else. I was still, right, I was seeing um, my, my Western doctor. I was seeing a very gifted functional medicine practitioner. I was getting IV infusions. I was taking my vitamins and minerals, herbs, you know, you name it. And so I was, I was not doing nothing. Um, At 20, so but, this is 2017. You had this next healing crisis. What, what was that? What happened? Yeah, so it just, I mean, there were a whole series of th life stresses that happened. Um, but yeah, my, and my, I, I couldn't respond in a way. I, I think I didn't even see it. It was just one of those things where I was, you know, I, was, I had been doing really well for a few years at that point. And so, um, yeah, it was just like one trigger after another. And then there was a tipping point. So what some was the infection, health? Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Some infections, yeah. Some uh, toxicities like mold, some uh, life stresses with um, my family. You know, like just one after another, and uh, and I think I just reached this tipping point where I couldn't couldn't compensate. But you know, as hard as it was, it was a gift because. Um, and I don't say that lightly because I'm, you know, it's, I don't usually say things like, oh, illness is a gift, you know, and yeah, look at the, look at the positive side. It, it's because of where I've come to now. Um, I'll say it, a better word is actually probably less than gift. And it was a very big opening for me. It was an opportunity for me um, because I had still been managing everything. I've been managing my Qigong practice. I've been managing my intuition. I've been managing my whole life. And suddenly I just I had to surrender it all. Right, so I'm still doing things. I'm still seeing, you know, people that I need to see. Uh, but I dropped into this place in my Qigong practice where I just surrendered into this field. And I didn't actually know what this field was that I had been connecting to for four years at this point. And so I came to this place of profound inner, um, like inner emptiness amid all the turmoil, you know, amid all the, the stuff that's going on in my body, amid, you know, what was happening in my family. And, um, you know, the scientific term that I realized was that it was this profound place of physiological coherence. Yeah. I mean, it sounds so, you know, it sounds very didactic when I say that, but there's a state in which that internal energy harmonizes, the field harmonizes, so that the brain waves, the heart waves, and then the the breath, the respiratory rate, everything synchronizes. And it's like mind, body, spirit fuse as one. They just function as an integrated unit, as opposed to like, I'm going to do this for my mind. I'm going to do this for my body. I'm going to do this for my spirit. Yeah. And HeartMath, um, the HeartMath Institute, I'm sure you're yes. aware of, has done a lot of great research on this coherence and what's actually happening with our HRV, for example, heart rate variability, and you can actually measure coherence. Uh, they have devices you can measure coherence, and I've tested them, and they really work. And it's that coherence, yeah, where it's like everything within our organism is all communicating harmoniously together, which it sounds a little etheric for some people, and there is some etheric aspects to it for sure. There is some non-physical aspects to it, but it's very measurable and it's very palpable, you know, and, and it's an important 
place to, to be in our lives, right? Because if you're out of coherence, which means you're your nervous system is under stress and it's not able to communicate properly with the rest of your body, with your brain, with your heart. And when that's happening, you're going to have all of these internal physiological responses that are misfiring. Basically, you're going to have downregulation of the immune system. You're going to have an excess production of cytokines and even cytokine storms, which is going to lead to, you know, all kinds of issues. You're going to have chronic inflammation showing up in different areas. You're going to have all these different kinds of responses in the body um, that can be, like in your case, diagnosed as some autoimmune disease, but all of your blood markers are normal. All of your, your, your markers are normal, and yet you're still having all these symptoms. And what is that? You know, my only explanation, understanding of that is, look, you are out of coherence with your mind, your body, your heart, and your soul. And when those things get into harmony, the body gets into harmony and it starts doing what it's designed to do, which is to heal itself, to regenerate itself, to, to thrive. And, you know, you do see that in your own life when you practice something like Qigong every single day. You feel, I'm speaking from my own experience and the people I've talked to over the years, is you feel better, you have more clarity, you're at more peace more of the time, you... You're, you're, you have more compassion in your life. And I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. I still get angry from time to time. I still, you know, make mistakes and all of that. But it's significantly less than it's ever used to be because I practice Qigong every single day, you know, and I get into that state of coherence often. Um, and it is a really powerful and palpable place to be. But uh, I just wanted to share that because it, it kind of sparked that idea. But... Um, yeah, please continue with your, your story. Yeah, so you're starting to experience this. Yeah, and I did. I also did. I purchased, um, you know, one of the biofeedback devices from HeartMath just to test myself. Like, oh, when I'm practicing Qigong, or if I'm doing a patient consult, am I in coherence? You know, <laughs> just just to see. And so, yeah, and and I also know there are studies that show, right, that Qigong actually. Uh, affects heart rate variability in the same way that uh, brings you into coherence. And so um, I'll just put that out there, right? That by practicing Qigong at a certain level, we are practicing coherence. And um, another way that I have been, you know, ex uh, translating coherence for people, because, you know, it can get kind of heady sometimes or feel a little bit, you know, out there, is, uh, is just embodied flow. Right, so this flow state is is beyond psychological flow. It's it's really an embodied flow. Um, and then the way also that I like to explore. Well, so one of the the questions that kept arising for me was, you know, actually really understanding the body, which is why I went into medicine in the first place, right? And understanding, yeah, what it means to be human. Uh, but just like, you know, simple questions like, well, if I'm sixty five percent water why do I experience myself as solid? Mm. You know, why do I approach my patient as solid? And then, and then if we actually really go into the essence of who we are, right, we go into the cells, we go even more microscopic into the atoms that make up the cells. And what are those atoms? It's 99.99% empty emptiness or these energy fields, subatomic sub haze, whatever you want to call it, but they're basically energy fields. And so I was, I was like, you know, God, if I'm 99.99% energy fields, why do I experience myself as solid? 
And so it it's not just it wasn't a philosophical question. It was like it was really pragmatic. Like, wait a minute. If I'm only working with the the flesh and bones, you know, of myself, and like, okay, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? You know, and the vitamins and da 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 da. It's just fine. I'm working with such a small percentage of who I am, right? So, I began to really see like qigong as and working with these energy fields and, and embodying flow was it's tremendous the role that it plays in healing. Mm. So what happened for me was, like I said, I was still doing all these things for my healing, but from a place of embodied flow. So it should, it felt like I was doing everything but doing nothing. That, that's the only way I can explain it. And that that's a you know that's a phrase that's that's often used in Qigong. You're right. From it's the also Dao. from the Tao. Yeah, the Tao Te Ching. The from Taoism. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Doing without effort and yeah. Uh, talk about flow for people talk about flow for people how do you define flow i i think everybody's experienced some level of flow in their life but that word can also it might trigger some people some people might not know exactly what you're talking about talk about flow from your perspective i mean i would say like embodied flow which again i think is different than psychological flow i think a lot of people now um are aware of psychological flow right you're just you're in the zone you're super focused you're present and intuition is kind of i don't know stuff is it's almost like stuff is kind of coming through you right? i had the and, best a good example of that was the best chess game this morning i've ever played i yeah. think and it was yeah. i was making moves ahead of the person making moves on the i played real people on chess on the app and it was like I could see every move ahead of time. It was crazy. Like this, this hasn't really happened in chess for me before at this level. It's happened in a lot of other areas in my life, but this is the first time in chess. And it was, and I was moving like you know every five seconds, and it was like the perfect move, perfect move, perfect move, boom, 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 boom. and like a minute, it was like checkmate. And I've never done, and it just, it was so intuitive. It was the perfect flow, and then I went back and looked at the game review, and it was like I had zero mistakes, zero blunders, like, and everything was like book moves, um, good moves, great moves, uh, and then the highest you can get is like, uh, like extraordinary, whatever it's called, and that's all I had, and it was just like it felt so amazing, and that that was a perfect. I'm glad you're talking about this right now because it was a perfect experience of like that was a psychological flow moment uh, this morning and it yeah. was beautiful, you know, it was really cool. But, but, it, but, but a lot of athletes know, experience, a lot of athletes experience, uh, I think what you're calling embodied yeah, flow. That's actually what I was going to say. Embodied okay. flow, I would say are these, these professional athletes, right? I mean, is that there, and you don't even have to be a professional athlete. You could be an athlete or you could be playing anything, right? You could be playing Frisbee at the beach. I mean, it doesn't matter, but, but athletes will they talk about this they're kind of in this zone right but they're but they're embodied so it is the mind body kind of coordinated as one and um and it's an expansive state you know it's uh but it's it's expansive and also grounded and i think that's where it's important the embodied flow the, to be in the body is deeply grounding right so you're not we're not just kind of exploding out into some, some energy universe and um it's powerful you know and I, I remember like gandhi has he's been attributed to have said um 
that uh, like there was one one day or one week that was going to be incredibly uh, full for him and complicated. And he said, oh, why well, I must meditate for two hours today instead of my usual one, you know, which feels kind of, you know, illogical to us from the, the linear um, time standpoint. But it's like, no, he knew he needed to come into that coherence, that flow state in order to move through, right? Because otherwise it was going to be too much. So it is, it's, it's taking actually a time out and a pause, coming into ourselves, coming into alignment, resonance, and then moving through. So that, that notion of um, doing without doing, you know, or effortless doing is really accomplishing quite a lot. It's not idleness. So that's what was happening with me, you know, it was I call it effortless healing. It was like I was doing everything, but I felt like I was doing nothing. Mm, that's and that's powerful. Yeah, was, that's incredible. What what was that shift? Different. What was that shift for you? Was it just practicing more qigong? Was it letting go of the expectations and like really just settling into the practice as a as more of a lifestyle at that point? What do you think was that shift that really got you into that embodied flow state? I think all of that. I mean, I think that's what's hard, you know, for me. And also for a lot of, I, I also do Qigong workshops and, and coaching. And it's really, really hard to surrender, right? It's hard to surrender because we feel like uh, either we're losing control, which is hard enough, but actually we feel like we're dying. We feel like we're giving up. And so what's really important about Qigong to me, even beyond my own practice, is this field. So there's actually, we're not kind of surrendering to like, to randomness. There, there's a field into which we are surrendering. And this field is just the energy field that's been cultivated by practitioners over millennia, right? It's, and so quantum science is now slowly also uh, beginning to overlap, right? With this notion of fields and, um, and even, you know, coming around to potentially saying that we can interact with those fields. I mean, Qigong practitioners have been saying that for a long time. I mean, and experiencing it for a long time. Um, but the science is, is catching up. And um, so, so that's why I say that that second health crisis was a real opportunity and an opening. I, I don't know if I would have been able to get there. It's very hard to get there with, if you're leading with your thinking mind. So um, the other thing, you know, you said, oh, did you let go of expectations? That's the other thing that's really counter, I don't think it's counterintuitive, it's more counter rational, it doesn't make sense, is um, one of the things about healing is to also uh, let go of the, the intention of the outcome. I mean, that, that's, it just feel, it feels really paradoxical. But sometimes when we want something so much, we create a resistance to it, right? Because we're, we're attached to the outcome. And so with the, with the coherence practices, what's powerful is that we don't have to actually even deal with what's happening with our thinking mind. We just practice coherence and then naturally the mind will open and clarify and come into flow. So if we can go directly into the practice um, as a coherence practice, then oftentimes the, the healing, the transformation happens inside out rather than us trying to let something go. 
Yeah. So it's the power of it. It's, this, it's the simplicity of it as well. Yeah, it is, a, it is a difficult thing, right? It's like, I have this condition, this disease, this pain, this challenge, and I want a solution. I want it fixed. I want it gone. I mean, I feel this as an athlete. You know, I'm a competitive CrossFit athlete. I train a significant amount of hours every week, and I deal with pain and stuff all the time, you know, and it's like because I'm pushing my body so hard every day, and uh, it's something I love doing, and it challenges me, and it helps me grow as a, as a human being. And yet at the same time, you know, there's, there's things that flare up, you know, knee pain, joint pain, tendonitis, torn shoulder, whatever, these things that happen. And it's like, I want, I want that gone right away so I can continue doing what I love to do. And at the same time, there is a certain surrendering that, that needs to happen from time to time that says, okay, you know, and I find myself doing this more and more often of sitting down, okay, why did this happen? How you know, what's the deeper reason for this? What's, what's the physical reason for this? What's the mental, emotional reason? What's the spiritual reason for this? So asking more of those introspective questions and trying to understand at a deeper level, other than like, oh, I did this thing and this pain happened or this issue happened. It's like, it's good to know that mechanistic set of actions that led to whatever that challenges you're experiencing. But I find very often there's a deeper spiritual reason that things have happened as well it's what i believe and i recognize it you know all of these opportunities you said you know your kind of dealing with your health challenges were um not only a gift but an opening and i work with a lot of cancer patients and you know the ones who who we call cancer conquerors stage four diagnoses prognoses with three months left to live and here they are 20 years later and i'm interviewing them and they're cancer-free, how did you do it? And what was the, the biggest eye-opening uh, lesson for you? And it was, these are people who say cancer was a gift. Why was it a gift? Well, it made me start caring deeper about myself. It made me love myself more. It made me, it brought me closer with my family or relationships. It, I quit that job that I hated or got out of that abusive relationship. I started taking care of myself when all I ever cared about was taking care of other people. These are just common things I've heard from many cancer patients over the years who, who their diagnosis did turn into a gift or an opportunity, an opportunity to say, what, what is it in my life that has led to this happening and how can I use this as an opportunity to, to find a deepening in my life or an awakening or more joy or more health or more vitality in my life. And I know that's not easy. Certainly when you're feeling sick, when you have pain or it's a new diagnosis, it's not easy at all for anyone to look at any of that as a gift and, and you may not be able to, but the very least, I, I think what you said is the probably the most practical thing people could do is say, what's the, what's the opening here? How is there an opportunity for me to, to grow from this, to learn from this, to, to be able to expand beyond it? And then, you, you know, dive into something like Qigong, which, which does really take you into that deepening space where if you can approach it from that mindset of it's not a symptom disease treatment paradigm, it's a let me dive into the essence of all that I am and all that is of the universe and all that is of, of God, of spirit, of my soul, of my being, and allow what is the greatest opportunity for my own awakening and the greatest potential for my own life and health and well-being 
to unfold organically and naturally. And this is why, you know, at Ming Tong's retreats in Santa Fe, when I met people there who they went there to that retreat to heal X disease, whatever it was, and they leave a week later and their disease isn't necessarily gone, but they're 10 times happier and their chronic 10 year back pain went away. You know, <laughs> it's like, and they're on a new path towards finding deeper meaning and happiness and health in their life. And so it's like those kinds of things happen spontaneously, I think, when we, when we enter into that state of coherence more often. And uh, I'm curious if that's kind of what you discovered in your own life. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm just saying like it's, um, Qigong is, is really a, it's a way of life. Right? It's a way of living. And really, you know, the more I just kind of, the more I, the longer I work with patients, the more I live. I just, yeah, I just like healing is really is living. Is how, how do I live more abundantly? How do I live with more freedom? Um, which is really um, at the core of healing. And, and, you know, a lot of times people, well, you know, when, when people have found out, like either they've read my memoir or they, you know, they saw a podcast, they're like, wait, you had a second health crisis. You know, like, I thought you, I thought you were done. And I said, well, you know, I, for a while, I thought I was done too. I, I wasn't in perfect health and I, I had certainly had some limitations, um, but I was at a place that I felt was acceptable, right? I was living a very full life. And so there's that mentality of like you get from A to B or A to Z and you're done. Um, but, you know, as long as we're living, it's, it's, you know, the law of the universe is change. So I'm continually changing. Life around me is continually changing. God knows the world stage and the, you know, the, the climate is changing. So the, no. So I, I, yeah, I had a second health crisis, you know? So people, I can, I can sense their, their, um, reservations and their fears and it's like no i mean it just it just happened you know and it's not it's not a shortcoming um it just was the culmination so so much of qigong like i couldn't have responded to that second one had you know had i not mm. kind of gone through so i started at a new baseline but the other thing was oh that i didn't even say was that when I was kind of healing, but not healing, I was doing everything, but I feel like I was doing nothing. Uh, my healing was very, very fast. It was kind of a radical healing. So what previously took, you know, years, this was a matter of, you know, a few months and it was really, really remarkable. So people who saw it up close really felt like it was a miracle. And I was like, well, you know, I'm doing stuff, but I'm not really doing stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, to your point about uh, people living with cancer. So anything, you know, and my experience certainly spoke of that as well, was like living on that edge, that threshold of life and death. It um, as hard as it is, it certainly clarifies things. Things get very simple. You know, you just you can see what matters and what doesn't matter. Um, so these things that they just kind of fall away. And in that simplicity is also coherence comes much more naturally. Um, because it's a very simple state to be in actually. It's very simple. 
Um, and the other thing I want to say about coherence is that um, it's different than simple relaxation or comfort, right? Which there's not a lot of energy moving, even though there's a huge role for comfort and relaxation just in our day to day lives. Um, but coherence activates the parasympathetic nervous system. So, it, so relaxation is part of it, but it's not the whole thing. Um, then it's an activated state. There's, there's energy flowing. So it is both relaxed and it, we can also feel a sense of power, which is, speaks to kind of what we were talking about, the professional athletes. Um, and so I would even say, listening to you, you're talking about your CrossFit training, things like that, and, and how much you know, oomph you're putting into it is just, yeah, I'd be curious, like, you know, what happens if you come into a flow state and um, and do your workouts from that that state it's yeah it's different you know and i i, recently, I think that's why uh, I, I go ahead oh i was just gonna say to that end i i recently um started taking up um shaolin kung fu oh wow <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of a lot of power in the kicks yeah. and in the punches and it just in the form and uh and i haven't had that oomph for a really long time right like so I, I never played sports. I, I never got back to getting, you know, to running like I used to. So, but Qigong was great because it was gentle, but it was hard too, right? There are poses where you hold and it is, it's really challenging. Very and challenging, it yeah. Inside out and all that. But the, the Kung Fu is new because of this power that I feel. Um, but also always reminding myself, like you come into that state of flow and then you practice, yeah. you know, and it's a very different experience um, for me. I'm, I'm very new at it, but it's a very different experience. So that's beautiful. Um, yeah. I think that's one reason, you know, I love CrossFit so much is, is I do experience that flow, uh, not every day and not in every training, but, but often, very often. And, and I did often when I played basketball, when I was younger, you know, I played soccer, I played, you know, I was, I was younger and I played sports or skateboarding when I was from like 13 to 16 or 17, skateboarding and snowboarding and skiing. I think those were, I think I fell in love with those sports at that age because it did, I felt this tremendous sense of freedom and this incredible sense of flow, though at that age, I didn't have the words or the, any way to explain it. I just, you just know it, you just feel it. And it's like, it's addictive. It's, it's incredibly empowering. And, um, and I do experience that when I run, you know, at certain times, like certain running workouts that I'll do certain CrossFit workouts that I'll do, you know, certain times it's like, I definitely experience that embodied flow. And then I'll experience it, um, walking in the forest with my family, um, sitting and watching a sunset, you know, um, and well, like I said, playing chess this morning, it was just like, you know, it just like happened like in that moment. It wasn't, I wasn't even trying. I wasn't even, you know, it was just like, I think the more that we bring these practices into our daily life, because I practice Qigong every morning. I'm even in my ice bath after I do my Qigong practice, I'm in the ice bath for three minutes. I get my body, even while it's sitting there in freezing cold water. I couldn't completely calm my nervous system and get into a state of, of, you know, relaxation and, and gratitude. We know through the science of heart math, for example, 
you know, that by connecting with our heart and by connecting with positive emotions like compassion and love, these are things, and, and then in a, you know, state of a meditative state, these are things that actually create coherence within, within the body. And these are things that Qigong do, right? Like at least, at least same thing that I have practiced or learned a little bit about some other forms of Qigong and I'm learning more about other forms. But the main one that I've studied as well is Zineng Qigong, also known as Wisdom Healing Qigong uh, from Ming Tong, Master Ming Tong Gu. That's the main one that I've also studied and practiced over the years. But that form includes all of these things, meditation, subtle energy, subtle movements, or gentle movements, sound healing, visualization, right? So it's like all the things that um, are being studied today that we know are activating coherence, that are upregulating the parasympathetic nervous system, which turns on basically turns on the immune system. It also, we know these things activate hundreds of genes inside of our cells inside of our bodies that are associated with longevity, uh, reduction of all-cause mortality, uh, activates um, a, uh, a response in the body that uh, reduces inflammation. You know, that's what's fascinating is like, the, to me, the science is, is interesting because it helps validate what we're already feeling and helps us mm -hmm. kind of, I think science is like the, mo the language of our modern time. Like people need some science to help them validate what they're feeling. It's like, well, I feel good, but I don't know if it's working. It's like, well, here's how, here's kind of what we know is happening. And yet science is also very limited, right? It, it, science is not the end all be all. It's not the, you know, science is flawed. Science is always um, being uh, turned upside down. And so it's like, I don't depend on science and I don't think we should, but it also can be helpful in my experience. But, um, Anyway, I want to talk about, you know, the wisdom healing Qigong or Zineng Qigong. And for you, what were, like, what are, after that second healing crisis, what were the forms of Qigong or like, what, what were the practices of Qigong that you were doing? Were you doing all of that? Were you doing the sound healing and, uh, you know, wake and vitality and all, what were, what are the ones you were doing? Yeah, I couldn't do, I couldn't do any of the, um, you know any of the standing forms or the moving forms at, at the at the most critical point because I, I was really bedridden um i was i just i was doing la chi i was doing mm. the chi just open and close um but it was such it was in such this this place of surrender you know that yeah it was like i just i don't know i just merged i just became energy you know wow. so Beautiful. um yeah. So, but I mean, because instead of doing it prescriptively for like whatever, you know, thirty minutes or whatever, it was. I just, I had that luxury. I mean, if you want to call it a luxury, but I had time and space to do it because I, I had nothing else. I couldn't do anything else. So I was largely again doing it because, um, because initially as a coping strategy, it just helped me focus on something other than the turmoil and the discomfort that's going on within me and so it was just opening and closing opening and closing so it, it were you chanting very, also were you chanting like how law are you doing any chanting yeah initially i wasn't i was just kind of i was just doing lot you know open and close lachi lachi yeah. but it um you know then i kind of just went beyond time and space i kind of lost track of time um and went into yeah this really really peaceful 
state. And, you know, in my scientific mind, I mean, I think what, what's fun is like, so to your point, yeah, direct experience is always going to be ahead of the science. I mean, it just is <laughs> because it, the science takes a long time for, to evolve and to say nothing of the technologies that are measuring, right, measuring what's happening. But also, uh, yeah, so the direct experience was that I, yeah, opened to this field. Um, and the, the other piece about the heart math, you know, since you mentioned heart math and coherence studies, is it's not just that we bring our own self into coherence, right? It's these, uh, the, the EMF field of the human heart is measured out, right, several feet away. So when two people are standing next to each other or near each other, um, literally just like two magnets, right? If we put the, the poles together, that we can feel the, the field between them. It's like we have two people and our fields overlap. And yeah. so if one person is practicing coherence and is in that state, he or she can bring the other person into coherence without this, this second person knowing. Right. They, they've done these blinded studies, which is really cool. And so and same thing even with with people and animals. And so what I so being at a retreat, right, so I, I've only attended one in person Qigong retreat. It was at Ming Tong Center in Santa Fe. And so physically being together is really powerful. Yeah. And there's this field that's very palpable, but there's a field actually in the space as well. And again, these aren't, it might sound a little bit, um, I don't know, um, fantastical, but it's, the science shows that too. Everything actually has a field. Right. And in fact, everything comes out of the field. If we didn't have these energy fields, we wouldn't actually have, we wouldn't have matter. You know, you and I wouldn't be here. Yeah. We'd be flying at the speed of light. So these fields are everywhere. We're just not perceiving them. And but animals can perceive them, insects can perceive them, right? And so how do we learn from from the way that other beings on this planet experience reality? It's like, oh, you know, they can detect these vibrations. They can detect, you know, uh, and sense uh, things that are different than what we can sense. So anyways, so that field is really palpable. But then what Qigong practitioners have been doing for a long time is also non-local, right? It's like cultivating a field. Um, and again, I feel like the quantum science is, is, is beginning to catch up to that as well. But so what it's basically, I, I think the, sorry, I think just for people who don't know, um, the, you know, what's called the Qi field uh, in Qigong, the energy field that, that you're talking about, the field, you know, the, in quantum science, it's, basically what's they're starting to understand is the quantum field or even if you want to research uh the quantum entanglement theory i think both of those things the quantum field and quantum entanglement theory are very um very close if not accurate to what i think qigong practitioners experience as the chi field Right. And there might be some things that aren't understood about it fully yet. There might be new discoveries to understand about it. But I think that's the palpable experience that we have when we practice Qigong, you know, remotely uh, connecting to this field all over the world. And, and they are able to do these studies where, you know, you can be in one 
part of the world and have somebody else in a completely part or a different room, you know, and, and activating and connecting to this same energetic field. And actually they've done all kinds of like, like extrasensory perception studies, right? Where you can connect to the other person's thoughts and know exactly what card they're holding uh, in front of them, you know, an ace of hearts, for example, they've done all these kinds of studies. What is that? How can you do that? You know, and that's, and they found out that it's not a special skill that only a few people are born with. These are skills that are developed. We can develop these as human beings. And the way that it explains it is we were connecting to that field, that energy field that connects all beings on all planets in all stars of the entire universe which is like mind blowing when you really start to dive into that, like how deeply expansive and connected we really are, especially when we sit here in our little bubbles and world of like, well, I got my computer and I got my refrigerator and I've got my little life and this and that. And it's like, you start realizing like, whoa, we are so much more beyond just this physical world with our physical problems here. And it, and we have so much potential, like infinite unlimited potential I think we're just barely starting to tap into. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, I mean, I think as a concept, some of the things that you touched on are, are becoming more widely known and what more widely uh, embraced or explored. Um, you know, zero point field, that, that's another um, thing, you know, for people who are interested in, uh, in examining. It's, it's, super, it's really, really interesting. But the most interesting thing for me, of course, is like, how does it apply to healing? I mean, that's 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 my right. That's yours and my orientation. And and also like it's cool as a concept, but like, whoa, like it's mind blowing to experience it. <laughs> it's a whole other thing. And so, wow. OK, it's something that we can experience and it's something actually that anybody can experience. And and then this is where you know what i call effortless healing can happen right it's like oh it's like suddenly we're riding the waves as opposed to you know motoring in a different direction against it you know where it feels like it just takes a lot of energy it's like oh how do i how do i harness that how do i ride that how do i allow that to kind of guide me where i want to go um and so or or not even where necessarily where i want to go but where life is going to take me um, where I am going to be most in flow, as opposed to something that uh, some kind of preconceived idea of where it is that I think I'm going to go or who I am. So, um, yeah, it, it actually becomes very playful. So that is something that is, um, it's really exciting to be at that frontier, you know, with the science, but having also practiced it and experienced the power of it. Um, and also the simplicity of it, the, the beautiful simplicity of it. So the concepts can get really complicated. And then the practice is like, oh, it's here. It's there. Yeah. You know, and as I said, when I, when I was doing La Chi with the Chi ball in front of my abdomen, and I, and I reached that place of like total emptiness, it was like, oh, I, I touched that feel. You know, that feel was there. And so... I do feel like, you know, kind of um, extrapolating the heart math um, studies about, right, us bringing someone else into coherence, right, who are in our field, that this, you know, Qigong practitioners are doing that, right? Like, just imagine, you know, a hundred, a thousand, 
you know, people practicing coherence. And so this field is very, becomes very stable, right? Becomes very, very stable. And so my sense of what I surrendered into, right? There's no science that's gonna corroborate that, but my sense of what I surrendered into was this coherent field. So it helped to bring me into coherence. It wasn't just me doing it. I don't think it would have happened that fast. Mm. So yeah. there's a real power to the collective. And then what's powerful about our day and age right now is that with, you know, with the ease of travel and also just with digital, digital technologies, we're more interconnected than ever. So we can enliven this field in a way that, you know, that our ancestors that, you know, people practicing thousands of years ago, even hundreds of years ago, could never, could never do. Absolutely. So that's why it's accessible now is that we have this, the language, we have the tools, we have the interconnectivity. Um, there's kind of no, no better time to, to explore the field and experience it. hundred percent. And that's, you know, that's why I've been, um, for those watching, you can see that I started healing life was because I realized the importance of this practice. Like we can talk about it all day long, but the only way for people to really know it and benefit from it is to experience it and to, and to practice what we're talking about. And so it's like my, I got this, you know, calling a few years ago to bring these ancient healing methods like qigong to and make them accessible to people all over the world so that's why i started healing life and people can go over there and and check it out and you know experience these qigong practices that we're talking about but i wanted to ask you in terms of your own practice like today what does that generally look like for you now um like on a day-to-day -day basis um so i would say that my formal practice um, usually is before sunrise. Um, I start with probably about a 30 minute sitting meditation, right? So Qigong also has st what we call static methods, right? Where we're sitting or standing in, in one pose. Um, and then, uh, and then about a 30 minute embodied uh, movement dynamic practice. Um, but I, I feel like I practice throughout most of the day you know like I, I yeah i feel like life is daily life is the practice and so you know you had mentioned earlier oh you still get angry you know i mean yeah like when so when if i have a trigger of whatever you know an emotional thing a physical sensation you know discomfort whatever um any kind of challenge it's an opportunity to to practice um, and then when, when life is going swimmingly too, um, <laughs> is, is to practice. And so, so much of the flow state, I think is not becoming attached and that that's a very, very difficult thing. And so the physical movements help me, you know, help, help my mind. Oh, this is what it feels like not to be attached. Right. Because one of the practices I had when I was really unwell was like each each day when I would start the day, I'd say, oh, today's a new day. Today's a new day, you know? And it was, it was, it helped me get through the, the challenging times. I remember there was one, one day, you know, after so, so much time, like I just had a, had an incredible day, right? It was, I felt good in my body. I was, um, yeah, very present. 
I felt like I was like, oh, I'm a citizen of the world again. And I remember I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, dang, today's a new day. You know, like I need to let go of that too, right? Like, so always staying in flow, always staying in the present moment, not even getting attached to things that we call good. So staying in flow. Um, so the practice, yeah, it can, can really help me um, move through my day in a different way. That's beautiful. Um, well, Cynthia, I want to just say thank you for taking the time today. It was, uh, one, it's great to reconnect. Great to see you and, uh, and talk with you and hear more about your stories and things I didn't know. Um, and, uh, you know, you're, you're really inspiring a lot of people and helping, you know, through your own journey and story and exploration, move humanity forward in a really positive way by, you know, bringing, you know, bridging this gap between conventional medicine as a conventionally trained medical doctor and ancient medicine and holistic medicine and, you know, bridging that gap through functional medicine and working with patients and helping people realize there's this whole other world of health and healing and medicine available like Qigong and TCM and acupuncture and all these other modalities that are accessible and, um, and powerful. And so thank you for that. And um, I do, uh, I read your book, Brave New Medicine. I think I read it a few years ago and it's a fantastic book. I encourage people to get it. Uh, I know it's on Amazon, but if people want to get your book or connect with you directly, you know, where's, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, I, I don't have a huge, um, online <laughs> presence cause I'm not on social media. Um, but I do have a website, um, Cynthia Lee, L I. C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-L-I-M-D.com. So um, everything, yeah, people can find me. People can find resources. I have a Qigong page as well. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's continue to stay connected and explore together. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, thanks again. And uh, I wish everybody tuning in so much health and happiness. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. And it's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And, you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort. It cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful what, for what you have achieved.